And so we're here tonight again to look into the Word of God and to deposit another installment on the basic foundational principles of why we exist and what we're known for. And just to briefly recap, I started something a few weeks ago that defined who we are and what we will be. And I said that the four pillars, the four pillars, the four tenets of our uh, structure in terms of our core values would be these four things that we're known for biblical truth, generosity, worship and relationship, character and integrity. And so we've already looked at the initial opening message in that series, which was known for love and grace. That will be the kind of umbrella policy for we're known for our love and our grace. And then I think the last time we met, we looked at um, biblical truth. And so tonight I want to jump into generosity. We are known for generosity. Uh, so let's jump in. What will you be known for? What will you be known for? So will be the pretext of all the messages in this series. Tonight we'll be known for generosity. Generosity. Anybody want a chance telling me what your perspective on generosity is or what your understanding of the word generosity is? i open up for a few seconds just to get a little feedback, see where you're at on that, and then we'll continue. Um, what does it mean to you, anybody, giving to be generous? Expectations. Giving without, expectation. without expectations. Going above and beyond. Going above and beyond. Giving your best. Anybody else? To have a heart of giving in any way of yourself. A heart of giving in any way in yourself. All those are correct answers. Mm -hmm. But generosity is a God-based thing. You know, if we want to look at the ultimate in generosity, we got to look at God. He gave his only begotten son. Like Ron said, giving without expectation. He gave his only begotten son. All he wanted was to provide an avenue for mankind to come to know him in restoration and be brought back from the, the, the pits of hell, from the, the doors of destruction and given an opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a personal relationship, that is generosity at its highest. It, remember, it was his only begotten son. How much more could you give? How much more could you give? You long for a son like Abraham and Isaac, and you finally get a son, and then you're told, give him up. What more can you give? 
It was your live stream, and now you got to give it up. So, tonight, I want to indelibly mark upon the heart and lives of Harvest Time Ministry people, the World Church, that we have to be known for our generosity. We have got to make a mark on this world because of our generosity. All of us will be known for many things. We will all leave our mark in one way or another on this planet and on people around us. But let's get personal. What will you be known for? What will you be known for? In Mark chapter 4 and verse 25, reading from the Message Bible, listen carefully to what I'm saying. And be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Stinginess impoverishes. May I read that again for you. This is from the message. Somebody, if you have another translation, you're welcome to share that with with, with us, but um, I like to read the NLT, New Living Translation. But I read again from the message. <clears throat> Listen carefully to what I'm saying and be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Stinginess impoverishes. So God says, if you give, you get. The more you give, the more you get. Stinginess impoverishes, impoverishes your soul. Generosity is not just a strategy for adding some kindness to the world. It's a strategy for transforming the world. It is how the world changes. It is how you change your world, by giving. Generosity is not just about making the world a better place. It's about making the world new, bringing in a new mindset. Generosity is not just about making people think that Christians are nice. It is about helping people see that God is good. Compassionate and responsive to people's and their cries. Generosity is or should be a central activity of the followers of Christ to reveal God to the world. To reveal God to the world. Let's look at my first point, which I kind of preempted a little bit earlier on. God is generous. <clears throat> there is no other scripture more profound than the one I quoted earlier on. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, sometimes when you read a word, the word in itself is a presupposition. Let me explain. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Whosoever believes in him is a presupposition. If you believe, you will not perish. If you don't believe, you will perish. So the term whoever believes is a presupposition. If you do this, this will happen. And if you don't do this, this will happen. You get that? So it's a presupposition. They will not perish, but they will have eternal life. God gave his son as a redeemer to save the world. You can't be known for generosity if your picture of God is distorted. If you see God as some kind of stingy, mean person who doesn't hear you, who don't answer your prayer, if your view of God is distorted, you can't be known for generosity. Generosity will not abide in you if you have a distorted view of God. You know, for a lot of us, our image of God comes from our earthly parent or fathers in the earth. Lots of people can't identify with God and lots of people identify with God only through the eyes of what their earthly father is. So just imagine if your father was abusive. It's hard for you to connect to God because that is your image and impression of God because you're seeing him through the eyes of an earthly parent. And that experience could be and may have been a bad one. And because of that, you have a distorted view of God. God is a loving God. I mean, why would Jesus leave the splendor of heaven where he had it made in the shade with lemonade and come down to earth? Why would he? I mean, who wants to get up in the, out of the bed at 2 o'clock in the morning in a snowstorm and go somewhere? It's comfortable. Why do I leave that? But God's son left the splendor of heaven of his own volition, of his own free will, and came down to earth to give, to give to mankind, to give us salvation, to give us the promise of eternal life, to give us a chance to be redeemed. If if you believe that everything you have is yours because you have earned it, it's hard. Come on in. If you believe that everything that you have is yours because you've earned it, 
it's hard, if not impossible, to join God in his generosity. Hmm? If you feel self-made like lots of people do, like I all this, what I need God for. God didn't get me this, I got this. It's hard to join God in his generosity because you're crediting all your good based on yourself. He first gave us life. Somebody look for Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 for me. Genesis 2, 7. Anybody? Good. If you feel anything you have is because of your own doing, always jump back to Genesis 2 7. It was the breath of God. <laughs> it was the breath of God that gave you life. Start with that. Everything else after that was a consequence of that. God gave you life. People get carried away in their wealth and all their tremendous assets and fail to realize it was the breath of God that started this movement. And without God's spark of life in us, we have nothing. Couldn't create anything. And we amount to nothing. So that was the first, right? He gave us his breath, his life. And then he gave us Jesus. Right? So let's see if we could count this. Three major givings. So for you young budding preachers inside this crowd here, I'm going to give you the, 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 the construct for a sermon. Point number one. He gave us our breath. Point number two. He gave us Jesus. And point number three. He gave us his Holy Spirit. So in the first place, we got life. In the second place, we got his life. And in the third place, we got the ability to sustain the life. Breath, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Now take that and make it preach. <laughs> Put meat on them bones there and make that preach. <laughs> okay? First was the life. Then was his life. And then was the ability to sustain life. Breath, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Now, you could preach a really, really good message right there. Just throw meat on them bones there until it begins to. Trinity, we'll just let you do it. <laughs> no, but you got to do it sometime, too. <laughs> there is no greater gift to give than himself. And he did it three times. Bread, Jesus, Holy Spirit. 
His nature is to give and to be generous. We should pattern our lives and our behavior after what God actually does. God is generous because his provisions can never be exhausted. And God is moved with compassion because he sees our needs. We like to see people's faults, but God always looks beyond our faults and sees our need. And he gives to us based on our need. If we ever want to be like God or be, well, no, let me change that. Be Godlike. <laughs> if we ever want to be Godlike throughout our lives, we must know that God is generous by nature. God is generous by nature. So that's my point one. God is generous. He gave his only begotten son. You know, I will not pretend to be able to enter into the mindset of the Godhead, but there had to be a calculation in the heavens, in the divine, infinite mind of God to come up with a plan to restore and redeem mankind. Yeah, and not just once. And what did he come up with? Jesus. Just, just imagine the God who created the universe. I'll just, just use your mind with me for a second. Let's go on a journey. The God who created the universe, the God who spoke day and night, the God who spoke the skies and the ocean, the God who spoke every creeping thing and every flying thing, the God who took clay from the earth and put it together and then breathed in nostrils. That God, after he did all of this, he searched amongst the Godhead for the perfect complement to his creative forces and his creative being. Just imagine that. God. God. He made everything. Colors, wood, clothing, the universe, birds, fishes, deer, people. God did all of that. And then when he was done, he was like, as the Bible says in Genesis, and he made this, and it says, and he saw that it was good. And then he went on, and he made that, and he says, and he saw that it was good. And he made this guys and, and he saw that. And on the third day, he made this and he saw that it was good. And on the seventh day, he made my, and he, and then he's like, what can I possibly do now that could be considered as we would, so, so to speak, in our vernacular say, what could be the cherry on the ice cream after I've done all of this? And you are what he came up with. Soak on that. In the infiniteness of God's creative being, 
when he searched amongst himself and the Godhead and sought for the perfect complement to express his fantastic imaginations of creation, he ended up saying, let us make man. In our own image and in our own likeness. You talk about generous. Look at yourself. You were the most brilliant spark of genius tree in the mind of God. The trees were good. The fishes were good. The birds were good. The skies were good. The mountains were good. Everything was good. And he saw that it was good. And yet... He kind of go like, nah, there's something else missing. <laughs> there's something else that needs to be the capstone. There's something else that forever and again, through time and eternity, will represent the best of the best of my divinity, my infiniteness. And he says, let us make Kim. <laughs> and Ron and Iris. Hmm? And Connie and you and you and you and you. That's what he said. What a generous God. A generous God that would make all of this stuff and then say, I want to give it to you. After I made all this stuff that History will, will reverberate for centuries and eons and then into eternity. He says, I want to do this for you. All this stuff you could never do, never imagine, never create, never bring about. He says, you. My crowning joy, man. What is man that thou art so mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him. Oh, who are you? Who, who am I? These are the times when I have my most divine spark in the Holy Spirit when I'm thinking, oh God, I, yesterday I was thinking like, I'm a bum, I'm this, I'm that, I'm worthless, and then I, I, I fall on a scripture like this, and I'm going like, God, but I was the best of your thought. No, 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 you didn't hear me. <laughs> well, I am overwhelmed, but I am the best of the infinite creative thinking of the God in heaven when he made everything that was fantastic and by his own declaration and he saw that it was good, yet he was thinking, there's something else. There's just one more thing. There's just got one more thing that would make this perfect for all of time and for all of eternity. And he says, you. You. No, 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 you, you're not, you get this? Or do I have to do a TV check and I walk out? Do you get this? You, you who criticize yourself, who beat yourself up, 
who have shortcomings and failures and mistakes and live in a place where you hold yourself in bondage because you feel so miserable because of the convictions of the devil and all that kind of stuff and you feel worthless and you don't want to go on and you want to take your life. Stop for a moment and realize that you are the creme de la creme of God's thinking. You, you, this is, this is it. This is what he came up with. Really? Lord, at the top of your, your greatest ability to create, this is what you came up with? Yes. Yes. You are what he came up with. That is a generous God. He came up with a flawed, fractured, broken miserable, sometimes wretched. <laughs> mm -hmm. And in all of that, he's saying, yeah, you're just what I wanted. I wanted somebody who could break and realize I could put them back together. I could manage you. I could manage you. But yet we define ourselves by other people's Yeah, yeah. God, God loved me. God loved you. God put you together at a council meeting with the Godhead. This was the private, absolute, exclusive meeting of the Godhead. Three guys got together, Father, Son, mm -hmm. and Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and you're what they came up with. Mm. Come on, somebody. I know I'm teaching. Yes. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sat down at a table. I'm being a little bit elastic. <laughs> Yeah, a divine table up in heaven <laughs> at the dinner table and they're bouncing around what can we do to put a final touch the capstone on this great thing we call planet earth and all of creation after they sat there for a while somebody said let us make man in our own image and in all likeness. Let us make somebody who is like us. Let us make somebody who's like us. Not in terms of race and color and size and weight and hair and eyes and all that. No, let us make somebody who has the creative energy and spark in them to be like us, to think like us, to speak to call things that be not as though they were. To pray in faith and cause God to manifest heaven in our faith. Oh God, I, I fall so short. I fall so short. I am moved by the imaginations in my head as to what God reveals in me. And I'm going like, oh my God, but... I am so far away yet 
and yet I can see glimpses of your glory, Lord God. You mean you did all of this? You worked for seven days? I enjoy the beauty of your creation and you are telling me that, wasn't it? That is that it, Lord? You did all this stuff and then you tell me, that wasn't it. It was you. It was you. Come on, somebody, rejoice. <laughs> it was you. It was you. That, yes, that is mind-blowing. Did all this stuff and then said like, nah, that, that ain't it. God, I am amazed by the waterfalls and the sky and the birds and the ocean. That ain't it. God, I love snow and I love winter and I love the rain and I love the butterflies. and That ain't it. It's you. God is generous to have done all that and then to have given it to us and say, this is yours. Go, replenish, multiply, and fill the earth. I give it to you. I put it in perpetual motion and I give it to you. My second point would be, Jesus commands us to be generous. We just talk about God is generous. Let's look at Jesus is being generous. Matthew chapter 5 verses uh, 40 through 42. Matthew 5 40 through 42. Look at the generosity here. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Wow. That is Jesus telling me how to be generous. The message version says wrap it up as a gift. The message version says wrap it up as a gift and give it to him. Yeah. We just talk about God is generous. And now we talk about Jesus telling us how to be generous. <laughs> this is Jesus telling us how to be generous. Oh, are we there yet? Are we there yet? If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. I'm reading an IV. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And I will read from the message. Wrap it up in a gift and give it to them. Now, that's generosity on steroids. That's generosity on steroids. Are we there yet? Yes. Hmm? But then you would have everything. 
See, that is the principle and the mystery of generosity. You will never give yourself into emptiness. Early on in my Christianity, the word covet used, brought about a certain amount of convictions to me because I, I would see people with stuff and I was poor and I was going like, I ain't have that and I'd like to have that. And somebody rebuked me and told me that, um, you know, I have, well, that's covetousness, wanting what somebody else have. And I really had to come up with a prayer to overcome that. <laughs> and so my prayer was, Lord, give me what he has and give him a new one. <laughs> so so, so I, 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 I stopped coveting with my attitude, Lord, I really, really want that car that he has, but give him a new one. So I stopped coveting because I wish for you better. I know it was kind of humorous and funny, but, but seriously, take a close look at the concept of if I see something that you have that I want, I don't selfishly want it. I want God to give you better. I will settle for what you have. But I want God to replace you. You can never give yourself into emptiness. So the more you give, the more you're going to get. You could never give yourself into being broke. God will always replenish your supplies. I don't know how. I stop worrying about how. I am so into <laughs> the outcome rather than the process. I am so past worrying about how God does stuff. You know? I am just consumed with the outcome. Lord, this is what I want. I don't know how you're going to do it. And quite frankly, I don't care. Just do it. I can't be bothered by how you're going to do stuff. I really can't. Huh? That's, 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 my brain ain't getting younger. I can't be bothered about that. This is what I'm asking you for. And so here is his definition of generosity. If somebody wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat. Am I there yet, Lord? In some respects, I, I am, I suppose. But in some respect, I guess I'm going to struggle with Lord. I don't know about that. <laughs> but that is the ultimate goal, to be like Jesus. And his generosity says, they want your shirt, give them your cloak. They want you to go a mile, go two miles. They ask you, give them. They want to borrow from you, don't turn them away. I'm telling you this much. Those principles work. Those principles work. Every time. Every time. What I do know is that our lives have to be in a place. I am finding more and more in this phase of my life, every phase of my life, I had revelations about things that were principles, which were considered kingdom principles. And my new phase of life in the last four or five years is I am understanding a deep, deep spiritual kingdom principle. If I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right. I know the Lord will make a way for me.
That's what I'm understanding. If I live a holy life, if I shun the wrong and do the right, I know the Lord will make a way for me. God's got a way. That is my kingdom principle. If I'm in right standing with God, I am a son that is entitled to my inheritance. If that is the last message of my last years on earth, I want to spend my time teaching that message. Live right. Live right. To the best of your abilities, live right. You're not always going to get it right because we are imperfect beings and sometimes we do things stupidly and ignorantly. You know, there's a lot of people that might be mad at you for something you did and you don't even know. <laughs> you have no clue. You know that? They bust in a gasket over something and you like, what did I do? The other day I was driving down Rock Springs and this woman is turning and she she looks right at me and flips me off and I'm like, what? Yeah. What did I do? I don't even know who you are and you're flipping me off? Really? Yeah. And I'm thinking, hmm. She saw something. You don't know. See, so so for those things, well, I hold myself responsible. I don't even know what I did. You're going to have to tell me what I did. And if if it constitutes some act of transgression, uh, if it's not willful, I'm not going to sweat bullets on it. I will apologize, but dude, there was no willful malicious intent on my part. So I'm, I, I'm sorry. Um, you're going to have to deal with that. I'm going to tell you I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize profusely, but I'm going to tell you this what. There was no willful malicious intent on my part for whatever that transgression was. And... I will move on. I will move on. But people could hate you for stuff that you don't even have a clue that you did. Misinterpreting stuff. Seeing stuff one way. Hearing stuff differently. You said so and so and you didn't. It was a radio in the back of the head that they heard but they didn't. They thought it was you. <laughs> yeah. If we want to see lives transformed and changed, then Jesus changes us to live generous lives. If we want to see lives transformed and changed, then Jesus changes us to live, or sorry, I mean, charges us to live a generous life. His invitation on the Sermon on the Mount is radical, expensive, and risky. But that is Jesus being Jesus. He's inviting us to, to join us, join him as he reveals a father who is good, always good, generous, and loving. He's inviting us to join us. So why should I be generous? Why should you be generous? Hmm? Why is Jesus, what, what is he trying to do here? What is he, what is he trying to tell me here in this whole Matthew 5, 40, 
to 42 concept. What is he what is he trying to tell me? You know? You know you know the biggest lesson that I take away from Matthew 5:40 through 42. Yeah, but there's, here's a, here's a, here's what here's what he's trying to tell me. Learn to trust me. Yeah, trust me. Give away your stuff. Trust me. I give it back to you. That whole portion of scripture there. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your cloak. If someone wants you to go a mile, go too. That whole lesson there is, can you trust me? I'm not going to leave you stranded. I'm not going to leave you shirtless. Maybe for a season, Lord. Gotta trust. You know, I have this thing that I do that I like to do sometimes. I sow seeds for what I want. I really do. I really, really do. I believe <laughs> if I want new clothes, I give away my old clothes. And right now, I have to give away my old clothes. <laughs> they don't fit no more. I need new and I, I need bigger clothes now. <laughs> so I have to give up. I have a wardrobe of clothes. Lord, you have no idea. That means you have a good wife. You went over that before. I have a wardrobe of clothes that I have not touched in two and three years. We have clothes with the tags still on them. They're brand new. But after my surgery, I went like this. And now they can't fit me. So I need new clothes. So I need somebody to come and shop in my, in my, in my closet. Because I need new clothes. And I promise you by Jesus, the only way I'm going to get new clothes is I'm going to have to give away all the ones that I have. I sew for what I need. It works. It works. So what is he trying to tell me? He's trying to tell me, trust him. And he's going to reveal his generous father. It's simple. Live lives that are astonishingly generous. Give and it shall be given to you. Let's turn to Matthew, we're still in Matthew, still in the fifth chapter. Let's go to verses 46 through 48. If you love only those who love you, <laughs> if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt Tax collectors do that much. I'm back in the New Living Translation. <laughs> One of my favorites. Okay. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? What do you get for that? You love people who love you. What's that? Mm -hmm. 
think you get extra brownie points of that. <laughs> even even corrupt people, even corrupt people do that. Corrupt tax collectors do that much. So, in other words, you're no better than a corrupt tax collector. If all you're doing is loving people who love you. No. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. We must touch those around us with generosities, leaving them blessed and wondering what a generous person. The Amplified Version of verse 48 says, You therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness and mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And that would be part of our structure when we get down there. Mm-hmm. The fourth one, mm-hmm. character and integrity. Mm-hmm. See how it's dovetailing? Mm-hmm. Generosity. Yeah. Mature generosity manifests itself in integrity, in character. Touch people around your generosity. Leave them blessed and wondering. What a generous person. Leave them asking why. This is a generosity generosity seed planted for a miracle to happen. That's that's my sincere belief. My generosity is a seed planted for a miracle to happen in my life. I absolutely believe in seed. Seed. We talk about that on Sunday. About the DNA in the seed. You know, that replicates itself. And it grows and it makes more seed. So when, I, when I'm generous, when I'm generous, I am planting seed for my own life. You see, Everybody may not have money to give stuff, but you can monetize your generosity in terms of the deeds that you do. Mm-hmm. Mary back there, Romero. <laughs> she goes down into the city and feed hungry homeless people. Did, did, did you all know that? She goes to the street. That's a crazy thing to do. Oh. Amongst the roughest of the rough, taking personal risk literally on any on any given day, one of those people can pop. But but you see, but you see where her generosity is. You see where her generosity is. Mm-hmm. She's not just going to friends that she have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what's that? Exactly. 
she's going to a disenfranchised, poor, broke down, homeless, hungry person. And feeding them, preparing the food, getting the food, preparing it, taking it to where they are and giving it to them. Let me tell you something, Mary. You got blessings coming all over you. And you know what? It'll be in your hour of your greatest need. You wouldn't get it just to put in a storehouse in the back of your yard. You'd get it when you need it. And there are others in here we do stuff. We do stuff. We give. So you see, it's not it's not just money. But what if you were to monetize some of your kindness, you couldn't put a price on it. You couldn't put a price on your kindness if you were to monetize it. Because a cup of water to a man who is thirsty at the point of dropping over dead is priceless. This guy's about to die from thirst and you have a thousand dollars in this hand and a cup of water in this hand. What is his immediate need? The water. So if you monetize your kindness, it far exceeds what dollars and cents could be. You should be generous. Our generosity is to remind people of God's generosity. It plants the seed. Generous forgiveness. Learn generous forgiveness of those who fail us. People who fail us have generous forgiveness to them. Generous giving to those in need. Generous kindness to those who are struggling with life. Generous love of God into the whole world. I traveled to, now I think about 23 different countries. You know what was the spark for that in my life? Some missionaries came to Trinidad many, many, many years ago and brought the gospel and build what we call outstations. Little old country churches out in the bushes. That's how I first heard the gospel. And then when I grew up, they had also built a Bible college or seminary. And that's where I went to school. And when I was called to the ministry, I remember this woman, her name is Ruth Aura Saxon, a Caucasian woman from 
Mississippi. Single woman, never got married. Left the splendor and comforts of the United States. Came all the way to Trinidad. Came to my house one evening. I didn't even know the lady. I had been called of God, but didn't understand none of it. And this lady came to my house and sat down and spent about an hour or two telling me about becoming a preacher and giving my heart to Jesus and all that kind of stuff and made all the way to enroll me in college. And I went off to seminary because of this stranger who showed up in my house. I am what I am today because of a missionary effort. And ever since then, there was this thing inside me to go to the world and do the same thing. And that's why I've been to 23 different countries from Africa to God knows where, going into places that on any normal day, I will not even consider going within 50 miles of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember one day I had a, a wake-up call. I was on the Somali border, on the border of Somali, uh, Somalia. And I got then, like just had this awakening, this epiphany, turn around. Oh. They were killing Christians. And I found myself on the border of Somalia because something drove me. Now, I told I went into Ethiopia and dig dog wells and build churches and all kinds of stuff. But it's that passion that drives you yeah. to do what somebody did for you, mm -hmm. the seed that they planted in you, mm -hmm. to give. You know what it is to give somebody sight, and I say that, and I, I will have to explain it when I say it, because I remember I was in the jungles of, uh, where was I? South America? I was in, in um, Honduras. Yeah, Honduras. Yeah. I was in Sawatapeki. Um, I was in the jungle, 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 jungle. And I traveled all day long. And then we drove as far as we could drive, and we drive, drive literally drove out the road. And then we walked and walked and walked. And then I climbed into the mountains where the cloud was meeting the mountain mm -hmm. and up in the mountain. And there was nobody when we got there. I had like two or three doctors with me and some other people and some stuff. And there was nobody with me. And then all of a sudden, these little people with loincloths and stuff and spear in the hand and all that start coming out of the bushes. I am in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Amongst a fierce looking people. And I'm going to, what am I doing? <laughs> and so I remember once we all settled in and they didn't trust us with the spear and all that. We started ministering to them. Wasn't preaching the gospel or nothing. 
just attending to their physical needs. And I remember one person in particular who came to us, came to me, and I took hydrogen peroxide because I'm not even thinking, I'm just, just looking. Took hydrogen peroxide and I wiped his eyes because it had caked up, you know, from cold and it was caked up shut. And I wiped it 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 all away and his eyes unstuck and it opened and he saw me and he went like, ah, and he started to cry. This man thought he was blind. He had never seen for years. His eyes were shut with cold. He had come to learn to live like that and thought he was blind. All I did was wash the stuff away and his eyes opened and he wept and he started feeling. And you could see the guy like, oh my God, I could see. And he wept profusely. All I gave him was some peroxide that opened his eyes. It took me two or three airplanes, taxis, bus, walking, stuff on donkeys back and going all the way into the jungles to cause one man to see. To bring eyesight to one man. Generous people often give more than they ask to. You know, we don't see too many campaigns today where people who are givers are asked to stop giving. <laughs> if it did happen, it would be a special moment. <laughs> giving to a cause that makes you reach for your very best gift can bring some of the greatest fulfillment you will ever know. Give beyond yourself. Three, a generous person goes the extra mile. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And I'm almost done. Luke 21, 1 through 4. My third point, a generous person goes the extra mile. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is a well-known story. You've probably heard of it, read it many times, yet it never gets old. The most powerful moments are when I hear stories of sacrifice, whether big or small, in people 
giving and going the extra mile. You see, the Bible says she, I think in one version it says, all she had was two mites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the equivalent of a rich man's $10 million bill. That's all she had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all she had. Guy with $10 million, lady with two mites, her two mites was just as much as his $10 million. Why? He gave out of his wealth, mm -hmm. she gave all she had. I tell you, if you could monetize your generosity, you'll realize how wealthy you are. Because money can't buy or pay for or bring value to the things you give from your heart. Mm. It can't. It can't. Some people work for salaries. And a salary is a reward. Let's, let's face it. Money is a reward. You do your job, you get paid. But there's a place beyond money as a reward. There's a place where the satisfaction mm -hmm. is the reward. Yes. Mm -hmm. The seeing somebody change, mm -hmm. seeing a life yeah. turn around, mm -hmm. seeing somebody brought from the depths of the, the, the gutter <clears throat> and, 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 and risen to places of honor, that's worth more than money. Mm -hmm. That's why we go on mission trips sometimes. I hope that's why we go on mission trips. For some people, it's a resume builder. For some people, it's a vacation and exotic. No, really. Some people, you know, they go on a mission trip because it's going to build a resume. I've been to Mexico. I've been to... And for some of us, it's really, really because our heart is in it. Our heart wants to give. Because give... And it shall be given unto you. Mm -hmm. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Is that Luke 238 or 638 or something like that? I think it might be Luke 638. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together. 630, yeah, that's correct. And running over shall men give into your bosom. Did you get the last part of that? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Shall is a contractual word. It's like when the judge tells you in court, and you shall go to jail for the next 10 years. That's a contractual <laughs> word. Shall is contractual. When God says give, and it shall, he's contractually saying, if you give, I'm going to give it back to you. Straight up kingdom principle. Press down, shaken together, and running over. I understand that well because I grew up in the old country. And I know we used to go to the shop and buy like flour and rice and sugar. And they would scoop it up out of a barrel and drop it in a brown bag and put it on, on the scale. Now, you take a scoop and you drop it in the bag and it falls in the bag with a big peak like that and the bag is filled. So what, what, what we used to do is like, no, 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 shake it, shake it, shake it. And so they'll shake the bag and pack it. 
and that big peak falls down and it falls down. All of a sudden, there's three more inches exposed in the bag for more stuff. So when this, this, I don't have it here in front of me, the scripture, but when I read that, that's the sense I get from back in the old country. Press down. Shaken together and running over because when you take that bag and you shake it and you press it down, the stuff goes down and goes down and opens up room for more. And this is the analogy that the scripture is using. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together and running over. What? Shall men give into you? That's how men will give to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall is contractual. You give, and God will give back to you. Stinginess leads to impoverishness. You will never give yourself into poverty. God will always give you back. He will always give you back. Hmm? Generous people give even when it hurts. They give time. They give effort. They give energy. They give their skills. And they also give their money. Yeah. Time, effort, energy, skill, and money. Give. Give. We shall be known for our generosity. Go sit with somebody who's not feeling well. <laughs> That's priceless. That's priceless. Talk to somebody on the phone. They want to hear a human voice. <laughs> no, really. That's true. Little things like that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. Loneliness is a booger. All my friends, then, they are much older than me, and I love it that way, because I take the experience from them. I have a friend that I always call. Her last word is, call me anytime. And I'm, I'm Iris, but she never said it. She said, Irie. Call me anytime, Irie. Call me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants someone to yeah. talk to. People just want... You can't, you can't monetize that. No. And yet, it will be the best gift you could ever give them pick up the phone and make a right, call right. and just talk. Mm -hmm. You know? No. Just be there. Here. <laughs> could have been a moment or could have been that one bad moment. Yeah. Right. You know, one day I, I one day I saw I'm, I'm going to finish here real quick. One day I saw a woman sitting down on the steps by my apartment when I was living in Oklahoma. Uh, and she was just sitting down there and it's about from here to by the microwave oven, the step, then a little bit of green grass and then the busy um, Avenue 36, major thoroughfare, mm -hmm. 20, 30 feet away from the edge of the step. And she's sitting there and uh, I saw her then I saw her again. I noticed she's been there for an unusual length of time. And I'm thinking, I need to go talk to this woman. But 
in my head, I'm going like, you know, I want to, but I don't want because she's going to think I'm coming to hit on her and all kinds of stuff. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. and I really ain't want the nonsense. You know, it's like, yeah. and I'm like, I, I really want to tell about Jesus, but I, I hate for her to think like, okay, I know what you want. And you know, so, but the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was overwhelming. And I said, you know what? I go, I'm, I'm going to risk the shame of being accused or assessed wrongly. I'm going to go. And I started to talk to this woman. I, I realized she was crying. And long story short, to hasten up this story, that woman had attempted suicide two times before. And on that day, she was sitting down, timing, waiting for an 18-wheeler truck. Because she, de she decided today is going to be the final time and I'm not going to fail. Mm -hmm. She was going to kill herself. And I showed up and started to talk to her. And she gave her heart to Jesus. And she didn't commit suicide. She still did. She died to herself. Yeah, she died to herself. You see? All it took was a conversation. She went, because later on she showed me, she had so much scars on her body from surgery, from attempted suicide. She was mangled from when they fixed broken bones, because she's done it before. And this time, it was an 18-wheeler, and she was going to be one big squat in the middle of the road. But she didn't. You just don't know sometimes yeah. what one little conversation could do. Yeah. That, um, I had a girl, one of the first girls I worked with in a group home. She was 15. Beautiful girl. Just beautiful. The first time I met her, her leg was broken. I said, "How? Why is your? What happened to your leg?" And she said, "Well, I don't want to live." So she was. We were in Orange County. You know, Orange County the freeways are huge, and they have the big overpasses. She was on the overpass. And she said she was sitting there and she was crying and people kept passing her by. Mm. Nobody, she just kept waiting for somebody to say, little girl, why are you sitting? She, she wasn't on the inside. She was on the out. On the ledge. On the ledge where the sign was. Mm. And she kept waiting. She said, she, I just, nobody, what my mom doesn't me. love me. Nobody, I'm in this place. Mm. She had been abused and molested, all these things. And she just didn't feel like God was there, like anybody loved her. She said, people just walked by me. They just looked and just kept walking. So she said, okay, if nobody cares. She sat there. She said, I think she was up there an hour and a half. Mm. And people drove by. Mm. People walked by. Nobody said anything. And she jumped. Mm. And the, the ledge she jumped was, I don't know, about 40 feet. It was big. She should have mm. died from the jump. Mm. And she fell onto the 55 freeway. And if you've ever been on the 55 mm. freeway in the middle of the day, mm. it's packed. Yes. There were no cars. The very next thing that passed her was an ambulance. And the ambulance picked her up mm. in the middle of the freeway. She's mm. in the middle of the freeway. There were no cars. Mm. There was nothing hit her. Nobody zoomed around her. The very next thing that came next to her was an ambulance and they picked her up and they took her and they prayed with her and she she was such a beautiful believer but you it, it struck me 
as she was telling me and she was crying, the next thing she said to me was, as much as she was 16, she believed in God at that moment. She knew he had saved her, that if somebody had just spoken to her, had just said, hey, and not had been kind, and just been like, oh. hey, are you okay? And all of these people just walked by, just drove by. Like she was invisible. It's like she was invisible. Like she was invisible. It was, and that's the sad part. It wasn't us that saved her. It was God that mm -hmm. saved her. Mm -hmm. And I think all those people, just like you, got it and saying, hey, go talk to that little girl. Mm -hmm. And people just went, no, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, don't want to get involved. Don't want to get involved. So let me give you a closing scripture that would kind of wrap up that story here. Because, like I said, my third point was a generous person goes the extra mile, right? Mm -hmm. So generous people give more than just their money. Luke chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. Again, I'm from the NIV. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus tells this classic story and we all know it as the Good Samaritan. What, what, Luke what? Hmm? I missed it. Luke, Luke 10, 34 and 35. The Good Samaritan, he gave time, resources, skill, and money. Remember what I said earlier on? <laughs> time skill, energy, money. Here's one story where one man gave all of those things. Good Samaritan, met a guy on the side of the road. Nobody cared. Nobody cared to give him a time of day. He saw him beat up, bloodied, and mangled. He bandaged him, he picked him up, he took him to the inn, he gave him to the innkeeper. He says, take care of this guy for me. I got some business to do. Here's some money. When I come back, if you did more to him than what I left with you, I'll give you the difference. I'll pay you the money. The Good Samaritan. The guy had been left for dead at the side of the road. Sometimes you have to make yourself vulnerable and available. That is the very definition of generosity. To be vulnerable and available. Generosity and hospitality are very often closely linked together. So as we go forward in 2019, let's volunteer and make ourselves available for a nice little church. Give the best you can give. 
Sometimes it might be money, but sometimes it might just be service. Acts of kindness, good deeds, help out. See a need and fill it. God lays something on your heart, run it by me or somebody else and let's just do it. This is how we're going to prosper. This is how we're going to prosper. Generosity. We shall be known for our generosity. In the end, I think you'll find that you got far more than you ever gave. And you did a whole lot more than you ever dreamed of. Become generous. Become generous. It is the hallmark of our ministry. Generosity. Generosity. <coughs> Amen. Amen. Amen.